You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. Uh, Myself and Alex tonight. Big show, Alex. Big show. The draft is finally here. And as you can uh, set your watch to it, the rumors are flying with the draft 24 hours away. And uh, some pretty scary stuff if you're a Jets fan in terms of what we're hearing and uh, what some teams are looking to do. Uh, so yeah, big show tonight. We'll do uh, we'll do some we'll do a final mock draft, and uh, we'll talk about Joe Douglas's presser and uh, a couple other things. But how you doing tonight, Alex? I'm doing great. Very excited. It's like uh, football Christmas Eve. Uh, we finally made it. One more sleep, and the draft will be here. Yeah, it's crazy to think, and it's been a long time coming. Especially, you know, again, it's the draft. As much as we love it. As much as the you know the diehards love it, it's it's brutal when you're looking at the draft by week five. You know, I mean, really, in all reality, we've been looking forward to this since October. You know, because that's how that's how quickly the Jets were out of it this year. Um, so now the draft is finally here. We'll do a mock, but let, let's Alex, let's dive right in to the rumors that are circulating right now that we're hearing. Because quite frankly, it scares the bejesus out of me. Um, and I know, you know, we all know that the rumors float and the rumors fly and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. This guy's going here. This team wants to do this. You know, I learned my lesson. I don't know about you, Alex, but I learned my lesson the year the Jets drafted the Brickshaw Ferguson. I don't know how old I was, but I was not, you know, I was, uh, what, 30, 29. Loved the draft for a long time. Probably bought into the rumors a little more than, well, definitely did than I do now. And I remember, oddly enough, I don't know why I remember it so well, but I've, I'd driven down to, a, even as a Yankee fan, I'd driven down to a, a spring training game in uh, Port St. Lucie to check out the Mets because I lived close by and I just wanted to watch a ball game. And, and I think they were playing the Giants, and I thought maybe Barry Bonds would play. But anyway, get in the car to drive home, and, uh, and they're talking about, you know, the Jets are frantically trying to trade up so they can grab Matt Liner. Like they're just, the Jets are pulling out all the stops. They're going to offer a king's ransom, and these are all the strong rumors because Liner was going to be the top guy. He was going to go second or third, and it, they're just they're just Jets full court press going all out. They're all in on Liner, and the trade doesn't happen. And draft day comes, and Liner's on the board, and the Jets just pass. They don't even take him. And I was like, oh my god. Like, they literally, I listened to them talk for an hour about how hard the Jets are trying to move up. They didn't even take the guy. He fell to them. So that was, like, my, my, probably my most vivid memory of what a bunch of garbage we get around draft time. Uh, that being said, um, I also remember, you know, this is just the, the other side of the coin, Alex. I also remember hearing a rumor one time uh, in the days leading up to the draft when they said, uh, what was it? They, I, I first heard the rumor that the, the, the Houston Texans 
might take Mario Williams over Reggie Bush. And everybody went, oh, my God, what a, what a smokescreen story that is. Everybody knows they're taking Reggie Bush. And then it was like, oh, I guess that one was true. So sometimes these things turn out to be true. Sometimes they turn out to be garbage. But what we're hearing right now, Alex, from you know Ian Rappaport, uh, a few other sources out there, stuff floating around, is basically expecting a huge run on the offensive tackles early, expect the, the big four to be gone in the top ten. Atlanta supposedly looking to move up to grab a tackle. Tampa Bay, which makes a lot of sense, having just traded or signed 42-year-old Tom Brady. They're going to want to protect him. And they're at 14, so they only have to move up five spots. So Tampa Bay moving up to get a tackle makes sense, and it's doable. Atlanta at 16 may be a little tougher for them. The Dolphins have enough ammunition that there's talk that they're going to try to jump the Giants to get a tackle, which everyone says, oh, that's got to be bogus. But listen, if they have a specific guy that they love, and they think the Giants love him too, and you're the Dolphins and you've got 75 picks, you might say, let's, let's try to jump these guys, and then we can move or do whatever we have to do and get, get you know, a quarterback with the next pick. And um, I, I'm worried, Alex. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I've said all along, I think Josh Jones should be in the picture at 11. But uh, that's me. I don't think he is for the Jets. I, I don't think the Jets are taking him if they're at 11. If they can trade down, perhaps. But um, what do you think, Alex? What do you think of the rumors? What, what's your gut telling you? Are the Jets going to end up? Are the Jets going to end up drafting? Listen, Joe Douglas. We, we're going to talk about his presser. He said we're taking the best player on the board, which is what you expect a GM to say. What if yep. he's telling the truth, Alex? And what if the best player on the board is a defensive tackle? Then what? <sighs> Oof. My, my, I don't know if there's enough booze in the world to uh, to, to help me overcome that one. Um, to be honest with this you, will be, this will be my last you know, show. If they if they take a defensive tackle, <laughs> you will never hear from me again. That's it. I'm going to go start watching soccer. We all have a threshold. Uh, <laughs> rugby. I'm going to get season tickets for the London Irish. They wear green and white. They play rugby. I'm going to be a rugby fan if the Jets take a defensive tackle with the 11th pick in the draft. I'm done. I'm done. I don't, I, no, can't do it. So Sorry, I, I cut you off there, Alex. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think what you said it right. You know, that's exactly what he said. All the things in his presser that he was supposed to say. Um, you know, there some people seem to feel that he tipped his hand a little bit, um, talking about you know Sam and, and particular things. So, um, this is the time of the year where information comes out, and you know we don't know what direction they're going to. Sometimes it is true, um, like the whole Baker Bayfield thing. We were all hearing Sam Darnold's over one you know, was number one consensus for, for months. And then just a few days before, like 48 hours prior, I forgot who it was specifically, but they were saying that they're really, really um, certain about Baker Mayfield going number one overall. And I didn't believe it. Um, and then all of a sudden it happens. So, uh, you know, we'll just have to to see because, you know, in the past I've kind of gotten used to the way Mike McCagnan um, has drafted, and, and some of the things that I've noticed is, like, in the middle rounds, he will target some of the players that have come in for visits or, um, you know, that they've, uh, you know, made extra time for if they had a conversation at the draft and then they brought him in for, you know, a workout. Um, you know, there was a lot of players on his board that he did that for 
or that he did in the offseason prior to the draft that, that came out, like uh, Nate Shepard and Trayvon Wesco and, and a couple other players. So I felt like I had a handle of where Mike McCagden was going with his drafts. Now having a new GM, and all we really know is that this is an O-line guy that loves the trenches. So that, that's pretty much all that we can really go for here. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, for one thing that I can say that I've seen is that maybe he doesn't um, value wide receiver as high as everyone else does in the fan base. Um, I'm mainly saying that because uh, he was looking to look for a deal for Robbie Anderson before the trade deadline last year. Uh, they apparently made an offer for Robbie, but it wasn't good enough at the end of the season. Robbie wanted to test the free agency. And I don't know if they got into a bidding war, but clearly he wasn't able to come up with an offer to bring Robbie back home. So, uh, you know, my gut tells me that, that, that we're going to be going O-line. Um, that has to be the best player available. Um, and I think that we're getting to the point to where need is starting to outweigh that BPA philosophy because we've gone BPA for so long. And uh, where's it gotten us, right? Uh, so, yeah, at, at, at some like, point, you have to prioritize the things you need most. It, it just has to happen. So, yeah, I'm, that's where I'm going. Yeah, well, you know, I, I had an interesting thought, Alex. Um, well, I mean, I, you can't really – people can decide if it's interesting. I don't think you get to decide if your own thoughts are – it's like when someone tells you how funny they are. Like, you just tell the jokes and let us decide. But um, as far as Joe Douglas goes, you know, like we say, what do we know about him? He's never on a draft, blah, blah, blah. And you may have seen a tweet I sent out that I then sort of took it just a, a step further – and it made me feel better about the possibility of the Jets taking an offensive tackle. Um, and, you know, we've said before, Joe Douglas didn't make the picks in Philly. I understand that. He wasn't the GM. However, he was the top personnel guy. And Howie Roseman in Philly, I lived in Philly for a while, not really regarded as a great personnel guy. Um, can't say for a fact if I know if he is, but the, the, the general feeling there is he wasn't a great personnel guy. He had Joe Douglas as his top, his right-hand man on draft day. And if you look at what the Eagles had, what they needed, what was on the board, and what they did, I, I'm 100% confident if there's a tackle there at 11, Joe Douglas is taking him. Because what the Eagles did last year with Joe Douglas in the room, they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL, and they have one of the worst wide receiving cores in the NFL. And they were in dire need of a receiver. In the first round... Now, granted, Jason Peters is getting a little long in the tooth, but still not as pressing of a need as wide receiver was. In the first round, the Philadelphia Eagles, not only did they take a tackle, they traded up to grab one. They, they went up and got Dillard out of, I believe, Washington. So they had, a, they had one of the top lines in the NFL, but they have a good young quarterback, franchise quarterback, so they traded up to grab a left tackle to protect him. And then they waited until round two, and they took a receiver then, with receiver being the more pressing need. Now, with the Jets, there is no denying their offensive line situation is far worse than what the Eagles was, and that's why I believe if a tackle falls to them, that's the pick. But that corner sort of – I, I even hate asking this question because, for me, it's a huge no. Well, I, I, caveat, not, not necessarily a huge no. People have said, if you're Joe Douglas – do you trade up and move up? I mean, if the, if the Jets move up two spots, they're probably fine. That probably gets them a tackle. 
it's, it's by that number 10 spot that they're predicting the fourth tackle will be gone. So if you're Joe Douglas, Alex, you don't have the picks this year to move up. But the reason I say caveat, if, if, if the team at 8, 9, 10 is willing to take a mid-rounder for next year's draft to move up one or two spots, I would consider that. I would absolutely consider that. What do you, what do you think of that? Is there any circumstance under which you would trade up? Or is it just an absolute no-go for you, and you just sit at 11 and wait to see who comes to you? Yeah, I like where we're at, our position at 11. Um, you know, in my in my mind, I feel that you only move up if, you know, you're, you're getting a final piece of the puzzle or uh, if you're, you're a quarterback needy team. Um, those are the only scenarios in which I feel that, that you should trade up to go get a quarterback. Um, you know, Philadelphia's scenario was a little bit different, as you said, good O-line, some great players, but a lot of guys were aging. So they needed to get aggressive to make sure that they got at least a first-round talent at offensive tackle. Now, I know that there's been a lot of scenarios in mock drafts, and let's you know emphasize mock draft, um, which is just a projection and a guess. Nothing is set in stone. Um, a lot of people seem to feel that all four will be gone before then. From what I've come to learn in my history of watching the draft is that even some of the uh, bubble quarterbacks, you know, that are on the fringe between a first and a second get moved up the draft board because quarterback is such a huge need. Um, to sit there and think Absolutely. that, you know, the Chargers are, are comfortable with Tyrod Taylor. I'm not buying it. Um, even Detroit, um, maybe they're, they're willing to trade that third-round pick, get more capital, move to that five or six spot and then see if, you know, Herbert falls into their lap and depending on what they get, you know, based on their toll um, of what they acquire, maybe they prioritize a Jalen Hurts or Jordan Love later on. So, you know, a lot of teams, you know, and a lot of people will start putting things in stone right now. We really have no idea. And I always go back to this. If Rashad Penny can be a first-round pick, when everybody had him as a third or a fourth round, possibly later than that, then anything can happen come come draft day. Uh, we just don't know where, yeah, where here's, these here's, big boards are and how people are prioritizing these players. Well, here's, an, here's another rumor for you, Alex. This just popped up. I believe this is from Bleacher Report. The Dolphins, I just mentioned they have a million picks. The Dolphins are trying to get up to number three without giving up their number five. So imagine having two picks in the top five. I'll tell you, Miami fans are going to have a hell of a couple of weeks analyzing their draft. Imagine picking like like 16 new players and a couple of them in the top 10, top 15. They have like seven or eight picks in the top 100, which is insane. Um, really nuts. They're making a lot of moves. But, yeah, it, listen, it, it's so going to get interesting. Money. You know, what's that? I was just saying, you know, they, they've spent a lot of money in free agency. They made a lot of big-ticket signings, you know, Byron Jones and, and some other players um, on the defensive mm-hmm. side. And it's like, are you really going to spend all this money in free agency and go to war with Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and then hope that Josh oh, Rosen no. develops into no. something they, later on? A quarterback. I, can't, I can't see that that's the real plan here. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe Flores sees something that we don't, you know, we're just talking from experience, having seen the Fitz Magic, Fitz Tragic error. 
So, you know, we've been – Yeah, but, the, but that's what I mean. If they, if they stay at three – Right, but if they trade up to three and they keep number five, then they're going to draft a left tackle and a quarterback. Yeah, I wouldn't be happy if that happened. I hope I hope somebody is not stupid enough to do that because uh, Miami will go from, you know, possibly bottom of the, you know, the rankings and, and be talked about as a mid-level team that could be fringe, a fringe team for the playoffs. You know, they could have the quickest turnaround yeah, it, of it, any of these teams if something like that happens. It really is, it really is nuts. I'm going to take a look. I can't remember now. How many picks the Dolphins And there's rumors have, that the Browns are getting close to Trent Williams' trade. So, you know, for everyone that's worried about the Browns sniping us on the last of the top four tackles, if they decide to make a move today or tomorrow morning or, you know, an hour before the draft and they, they somehow acquire Trent Williams, well, now we know that our chances of getting a left tackle are even greater. So well, certain things that, you know, I had that, that may thought. fall into our lap. I had that thought, but someone else made a good point. Um, Cleveland is really big on their analytics, so that's the team that somebody like Tampa Bay would target to move up because Cleveland wants more. You know, they're all about you know, uh, you know, acquire as many picks as possible. So if they trade for Trent Williams, they're probably going to have to give. They will have to give up picks to get him, but then they would probably trade down with someone like Tampa Bay where they only move down four spots, and Tampa Bay knows if they want to tackle, they got to leapfrog the Jets. So they could sign Trent Williams, but then they would probably just move down with a team who's trying to get a left tackle. So that would, uh, that, that would not be good for the Jets. Hmm. But let's see yeah, here. I'm, I mean, I'm just taking a Like we said before, everybody is, you know, putting these little tidbits out there, and we have no idea, you know, quoting sources <laughs> – you know who who's uh, giving us the truth and who's you know trying to help a team mask what they really want to do. Yeah, the the Atlanta thing has been uh has been rumored for weeks now though that they've been because remember of course one of the first ones was that they were talking to the Jets, um, but they, they've been rumored for weeks now to be trying to move up into that top ten eleven, and now even more so today I believe it was Rappaport on uh, NFL Network who said that that's what he was hearing, that Atlanta, and he said, he said conventional wisdom is that they, is that they want a corner, but they're actually, and that was it. I believe, I believe it was Atlanta, and this is what got me worried. This is what I heard the other day. Um, for where they're picking, Atlanta at 16, they spent a ton of their pre-draft process, because remember, teams are limited to how many players they can speak to and how much time they can spend. Atlanta spent a ton of time on all of the top, of all of the top tackles. And so that was when, you know, they first said for them to be spending this much time talking to the tackles who they know will not be there at 16, they must be angling to move up. And now we're hearing today that they are, in fact, um, actively trying to move up. So here's the picks the Dolphins have, Alex, uh, if we want to make tonight any more miserable. Um, The Dolphins have 5, 18, 26, 39, 56, 70, 141, 153, 154, 173, 185, 227, 246, and 251. So if you're the Dolphins, if you, if you call a team sitting at three, who is it, Detroit, and you say, look, we'll give you 18 and 26, you get two first-rounders to let us move up to number three and maybe throw in another one. We'll give you 18, 26, and, and 70. 
You're getting three premium picks, three top hundred picks, to let us move up to three. And then we're going to take a we're going to take a quarterback at three, and then we're taking a left tackle at five. Could happen. Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Um, but if you were to you know base that on what the Jets had to do to move up three spots, um, sending a one, two twos, uh, you know, it, it, I think it, one. As as with so many things, teams, right? whether it's yeah, but whether it's salary or trade compensate, all the rules go out the window when it's a quarterback. When teams know you're trading up yeah. for a quarterback, the price doubles. That's just the way it is. And if Miami's, you know, if Miami knows like, hey, we can get a quarterback at five, we're moving up to grab a tackle. I think they, and really, whatever the price may be, they've got, they have, they have enough picks to pay the price and still have more picks than the Jets. So um, they're in they're in quite the situation, but um, but we, we we did a final mock, Alex. Let's uh, let's get into our mock. So we did we we started hashing this out before we came on. How do you want to do it, Alex? I did a mock with one trade because I and I, probably even more so now. My gut feeling was that the Jets would move down with a team like Denver, like Atlanta, like Dallas, um, or you know, maybe Tampa. Um, what, what do you do? You want to do a draft with trades, or do you want to say, you know what? There's so much craziness right now. The tackles might be gone. Maybe teams don't want to trade up to 11 because that's what they were targeting. Let's just stick with the picks we know they have. How do you want to do? We could do both. Yeah. Well, how would you let's, like to play uh, this one, Alex? Let's do both. And since we're speaking about you know possible trades and things like that, why don't we give the fans our? We're stepping into our GM roles right now. Um, so Glenn and I have come up with two different mocks on a possible trade and then what it might look like, um, just to give everybody a little, you know, picture in their head of, of what a, a world might be when the Jets have an extra pick or two. So why don't we just run through, um, our mock, uh, trades, uh, our mock draft with a trade. And then, you know, later on, we can just kind of run down our list of, you know, our final, end of 2020 how it would go with what we want trade. to happen with exactly so uh do you want me All to right. start so, or do you want to go 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 ahead alex what what team did you trade with and what compensation did you get i see dude i'm seeing mocks online with like seven trades and you know 24 picks yeah <laughs> come on man like yeah i know it's right. fun i know i know throughout the draft pro the pre-draft process there are like by the time it's all done you have 15 20 players that you love and you want all of them but come on. So we, we said we normally don't do any trades. But I said just because I'm getting the vibe, the feeling that they're going to move down, let's do one trade. That is all. We did it through online simulators, so the trades had to be accepted. Couldn't just make up a trade and say this is what I'm doing. So I used the PFF simulator. I don't know what you used, Alex. Um, so go ahead and l- l- let us know who you traded with and what did you get in return. Okay. So I based my – mock trade with the the draft network and what I did here is I traded the 11th pick to Denver which is the 15th pick and in return we got back uh, their third round pick number 95 so this moved us up from eight picks to nine picks and we have a total of three draft picks in the third round Um, so this gives the Jets a lot more options I got a little loose here um, so we're going to start it off um, due to some interesting news that came out with a particular player recently. 
Makai Becton is going to fall to the 15th pick due to the fact that he might have a character concern with failing a drug test. We know the new rules, so he's not in trouble. But sometimes news like that can defer teams from, you know, going and, and putting a premium top 10 pick on, on a player. So I feel that kind of like what happened to Larry Tunzel a couple of years ago, he's going to slide down the board, go at 15. Now we're back on the board at 48. This is where we're going to go and improve our secondary by going with Trayvon Diggs. This is the uh, little brother of Stephon Diggs, cornerback out of Alabama. Third round for our three third-round picks. We're going to start with our first wide receiver, Donovan People-Jones. Big target guy, a lot of upside, and, you know, basically a good playmaker. Huge amount of talent in this, in this class. So I see him as our first third pick. We're going to grab Ben Barch with our second third-round pick. And then we're going to end the third round with our running back to go behind Le'Veon Bell, Eno Benjamin, out of Arizona State University. So in the first three rounds, we've addressed two tackle positions, a wide receiver, a running back, and a cornerback so far. Moving to round four, we're going to go on the defensive side, edge defender Kenny Wilkies. I might have butchered that. Apologies. Um, But that will be our situational pass rusher that we've been looking for. Not going to be the next John Abraham, but I think that this kid's got enough talent to make some uh, havoc on third down in passing situations. Moving to the fifth round, going with my Tyler Johnson um, out of Minnesota, weight wide receiver. I think it's an absolute um, atrocity that he keeps falling this far on mock boards. So I expect something different, but this is how it came out. Um, And our last two picks in the sixth round, going with an inside offensive lineman, Solomon Kinley, um, another big guy, a mauler, uh, played right next to Andrew Thomas. Uh, so if you've ever seen him, you've definitely noticed Kinley before, just a monster of a man, good guy to develop for 2021, possible starter. And then we close out the draft, uh, getting a possible future nickel corner. Somebody I've talked about plenty of times, Lavert Hill out of Michigan, future nickel corner. So that's how I see it. Um, you know, since we got the extra pick, we were able to go running back a little bit earlier than my previous mocks where I end the draft with a running back. And uh, I feel like we uh, filled a lot of needs here with getting a little extra capital. All right, Alex. Um, I'll, I'll say right off the bat, I did not take a running back, even with my extra picks, even with the need at the position. I just, at the, at the spots I looked at it, I didn't like the guys who were available, I didn't like the value. And I just, the more I think about it, I just, this team has too many needs. I feel like running back, grab one next year. Rookie rookie running backs, there's not a huge adjustment period. If you have guys who can block, a rookie can come in and run for 1,300 yards or 1,000, whatever. Um, It's not a hugely, and there'll be quality free agents available. You know, Devontae Freeman's out there. Bilal Powell's still out there as a solid backup. I'm spending my money on a, a cheap veteran backup who I know can play, and if Le'Veon Bell is healthy and the offensive line isn't atrocious, the guy's not going to get a ton of carries anyway. Um, and if Le'Veon Bell is hurt, then, I mean, this team isn't doing a whole lot next year anyway. If you lose Le'Veon Bell, you're in that much more trouble. But um, so I used PFF, and uh, they were a little bit – the Broncos were a little more generous. That's who I dealt with as well. Uh, but I gave up pick 11, and in return I got picks 15, 77, and 178. So added two picks, swapped 11 to 15. 
Uh, at 15 overall, I went with Josh Jones. I think I've made it clear by now, completely happy taking Jones in the first round. Um, not sure the Jets feel the same way. I'm sure they don't, but that's, that's the direction I went. Uh, second round, pick 48. Really thought hard about going interior line here, uh, but I just I can't pass up Chase Claypool. Looking at what that guy did at Notre Dame, looking at the numbers he put up with subpar quarterback play, looking at the physical tools, the guy just I, I, there are people mock I've seen him mock to the Packers in round one. Um, so if he's there at 48, I feel like that's an absolute bargain, a steal. You have to do it. Then with 68 overall, which again is one of the Jets' own picks, I went corner. The Jets just don't have enough depth there as far as I'm concerned. Um, I wish they would get Logan Ryan, um, and then they wouldn't have to worry about it. They, or, you know, they, they wouldn't have to worry about a corner at this point in the draft. But at this moment, I feel like they do. So I'm getting pride out of Notre Dame, and that's, there's a potential starter. And then a guy who I started watching a little bit more of in the last couple of weeks, having watched him a while back, um, I'm going to go with Utah edge rusher uh, Bradley and I. The guy had 27 and a half sacks over his last three years in college. I believe he had 13 last year, and he's just uh, he's got really violent hands, great hand use, good first step, and I think he could be a guy who gets to the quarterback uh, pretty consistently in the NFL. You know, no, he's not going to be a 15 sack guy, but I can see him being an eight to 10 sack a year guy um, early on, and as he you know hones his craft and gets a little better, who knows? But I think he's one of the better options as an edge rusher in, in what is a, a weak edge class. Then 79, I'm going with Wisconsin center Tyler Biadish, who should be able to play guard if they want him there. To play center, play, could play guard. Saw a dip in his production last year uh, coming off a hip injury or playing with a hip injury. We'll see if that, uh, you know, that, that's why he could fall beyond this spot. And I understand that. He might be a guy you can get later, which would be great. Uh, but because of what's going on and no medical checks and rechecks, the Addish could find himself falling to round four or five, um, so worth watching. Then at 120, a guy who I've talked about a ton this, uh, this offseason, South Carolina wide receiver Brian Edwards. Uh, I think he's a guy who would be getting a lot more attention if he was part of the, uh, the combine. He was not. Then he, of course, could not have a pro day. I know I saw one analyst who said that he felt if Edwards was able to take part in the combine, he felt like he's a guy who would be they, – they would be speaking about him sort of on par with the way they're talking about Denzel Mims right now. Big guy, great hands, makes some phenomenal catches, not afraid to go over the middle, great awareness. I saw a stat on him. Actually, let me look this up right here. Um, let's see, production receivers that generated the most yards – off of screen passes, receiver screens. Brian Edwards, number one in the country. So he makes big plays down the field, and he's got awareness. Uh, he's got enough awareness to use him on the short side of the field where he's going to – he seems to have a really good feel for where defenders are, using his blockers to set up at yards after the catch on the screen passes. 32% of his yards came on screen passes. Um, Denzel Mims, funny enough, according to this, this is a tweet from Graham Barfield, uh, Denzel Mims, 0%. Uh, n- none of his yards off of the screen. Not to say he's not a good player, but I feel like Edwards brings a little bit more to the table in that sense. A uh, little bit of a little bit of a surprising pick in round five. This was actually a spot where I looked at running back, and honestly didn't like any of the guys I was looking at. So uh, I'm going with a guy who I know the Jets have met with twice, and I think uh, I know the Patriots met with him as well. 
I think Adam Gase is going to want to be able to groom his own backup quarterback. So I'm going with James Morgan out of FIU. Um, he's a guy who, from what I watched of him, this guy loves to throw the deep ball. Um, takes shots down the field all the time. You know, uh, not needs to work on his touch, his accuracy a little bit. But this guy's a, he's a gunslinger, and the Jets interviewed him at least twice. And like I said, I know New England had him for at least one interview. So he's generating interest from quite a few teams. And if you can get him in round five or six, I think that's a good spot for him. Uh, pick 178, I'm going with a guy who I honestly hadn't really heard of till about a week and a half ago. I was looking at some late-round uh, potential or you know some late-round guys, day three guys. Danny Pinter, uh, offensive tackle, not, needs to get a little stronger. Needs to get a little bigger, a little stronger. But the thing that jumped out at me, I could not believe for his size how well he was moving. Um, whether it was getting out in front on screen plays or you know, running across from one side of the formation to the other to take out a linebacker. And he just, he moved so well. And I thought, God, I've, I haven't heard anyone talk about this guy. Is it my, you know, and a lot, I'll do it a lot of times. If I'm watching a guy and I, I notice something and I'll think, is this my imagination? So I said, let me see what, how he did at the combine. Um, and I went to his combine clips and I didn't even, I didn't watch anything beyond his 40, which isn't a big deal for a lineman. But the reason for that was as I was literally saying, God, I can't believe how well this guy moves. Maybe I'm imagining this. Um, while he was running his 40, Daniel Jeremiah said, this guy's one of my favorite late-round guys. He moves so well for a big guy. And I was like, well, there you go. I'm not out of my mind. We know Adam Gase wants versatile, or not versatile, but uh, you know, mobile O-lineman for his scheme. That's why they signed George Fant. Um, and I think he's a developmental guy in round five. But he's, he can move as well as he's probably the upper echelon of his class in terms of his ability to get from point A to point B. So Danny Pinter. Then round six, a guy we talked a little bit about, Joe, uh, Joe Reed. We talked about Joe Reed the other day, I believe, didn't we, Alex? Yes, sir. Yeah, so Joe Reed, receiver out of Virginia, played running back in college, or sorry, played running back in high school, had a few carries at Virginia. Uh, really good kick returner, five kick returns for touchdown, played wide receiver at around 700 yards, runs a 4.47. And then my last pick, I'm going with uh, Alton Robinson, edge rusher out of Syracuse, give uh, Greg Williams another tool to work with off the edge. So that's it for me, Alex. That's uh, adding two additional picks and moving down to 15. And I'm going O-line. I'm getting myself a couple receivers. I'm getting myself a corner. Build the interior line a little bit as well with Beatish and uh, – and and go to battle, and you know it's. Yeah. I I, I, fe- I felt pretty confident there would be a trade down, but I I think Alex, what that's the other thing that's the the other side of this these rumors that we're hearing that teams are going to trade up for tackles, is that some of these teams that are looking to trade up for tackles are looking to jump the Jets, and then the Jets really won't be in position because cause I kind of envisioned, all right, maybe Atlanta trades up to grab a corner or a tackle. Maybe uh, maybe Denver moves up to grab a receiver, and that's why I targeted them first. But if if Ooh. if these receivers start to fall because there's this early run on tackles and quarterbacks, Denver may not feel compelled to trade up. They might say, you know what, we three of these receivers only have to make it past the next four teams, and we'll get one of them. So I feel like if these teams trade up for tackles – the Jets might just be stuck at 11. They may want to yeah, trade down. True. Joe Douglas might say, oh, damn, the tackles are gone. Let's call Denver. Denver's going to say, hey, Joe, we're picking in four picks, and there's three receivers on the board, 
As long as they don't go one, two, three, we're getting one. So we're keeping our pick. Hey, Atlanta, oh, well, they already moved up and got a tackle. What about Tampa Bay? Oh, Tampa Bay already moved up too. So the the opportunity to trade, uh, trade down and add picks could dry up if things play out the way, you know, some of these rumors are, are, are swirling. They're describing it. Which, Alex, does, does that bring Trent Williams back into the picture for the Jets? Um, you know, that could possibly, um, you know, bring Trent Williams back into there. I'm not, you know, one that's for that. Uh, I'm not pro Trent Williams at this point. Uh, you know, I'd much rather. Right, but are, um, are you pro Trent Williams if all the other tackles are gone, Alex? Yeah, and in, in the, you know, in the scenario where all four top tackles are gone, um, I'm crazy, so I'd be fine with the Josh Jones at 11, but I understand that, you know, a lot of people would uh, poo-poo that, um, and they'd want to move back a few spots because, you know, the rest of the league's going to be nice to the Jets and just let another, you know, player fall into their lap because that's the way the world works, apparently. But, um, right, yeah, maybe, you know, in the event. But um, before before we get too far ahead of ourselves here. I'm tweeting out your draft, and um, I just want to make it right. You you did your trade with which team again? Okay, so with Denver, and your third round, your first third round pick was again. Let me see. Let me pull it up. That was uh, uh, Pride corner from uh, Notre Dame, Troy Pride. Troy Pride. Okay, that was the one. I Troy Pride. Okay, so I got out there. Josh Jones. Chase Claypool, Troy Pride, Bradley and I, Tyler Viadas, Brian Edwards, James Morgan, Danny Pinter, Joe Reed, and Alton Robinson. An absolute haul. That's correct. Okay, so I just tweeted out our our mock draft. <coughs> Excuse me. Excellent. And, um, you know, going back to your your Trent Williams scenario, uh, yes, that would definitely be uh, excellent for the Jets because. They get more flexibility in the draft to possibly, you know, target a wide receiver and, and get the, you know, the big special target for Sam. And but I only feel like it's a, it's a short term move, and you only get one year out of the guy. And you know, if something happens with his injury and then he gets, you know, injured again, you've given away possibly a premium pick. You spent premium money, and then you end up, you know, not having a. You have a, another offensive lineman blow up in your face. Um, and I don't know if Joe Douglas can, can have another one of those scenarios after, you know, having um, egg on his face with Ryan Khalil, um, you know, so not sure if, if that's but, the but right, really, right move I mean, for, for uh, Joe Douglas and his team. I, there's obviously some injury concern there. But really, I mean, of course, last year was because he was upset with the team. Understandably so. He came to them with an issue. They blew him off, and it turned out it, it became turned into cancer. So they, they, they blew him off, and they blew a cancer diagnosis. Um, he, he misses some time, but I feel like if you can get that guy and he misses three games, even four games, and you get 12 or 13 games of elite-level play, and that means fans has to play tackle for three weeks, I can live with that. And really, outside of 2017, it looks like he missed six games in 2017. Other than that... It, his games played from 2012, 16, 16, 15, 14, 12, 10, 13. So to me, like, if a guy might miss three games, four games, but he's going to be an all-pro for the other 13 or 12, I think I can live with that. I think I can take that gamble. And, it's, and uh, the other thing, and, I, you know, I made this point last year with uh, 
with Le'Veon Bell, of course it didn't matter because the offensive line was a complete disaster. But guys like this, you know, guys, he's 31 years old. NFL players don't generally get a full year to recuperate unless it's due to an injury. Now, his was due to, a, again, a, a cancer diagnosis. He didn't have a, a ruptured tendon or torn ligaments or, you know, he, he had something that had to be treated. But he had a full calendar year to let his body rest up. And he's probably now as healthy as he's ever been or as healthy as he's been in years. And we do see offensive tackles play, you know, the, the better offensive tackles. They're really good players into their mid-late 30s. You know, 34, 35 years old isn't unheard of for a tackle to play well at that point. This guy's 31. So maybe you give him a four-year deal, five-year deal, and you get three years of elite play and then two years of pretty damn good play. I I don't – you know, again, a big part of it is the compensation. We heard he wants $20 million, then his agent said that's a lie. Well, that's great that you're saying it's a lie, but that still doesn't tell you what he's asking for. Is he asking for eighteen five, which is still a lot? Um, so that's prohibitive, and of course, what the compensation would be. It, having said, you would bring him in if it came down to that. How high are you willing to go on a pick? What are you willing to give him? Now, I, I you know, you can't just sit here and say, "Oh, I'd give him a four and a five because I don't think that you know another team would be willing to do that. Um, my understanding would probably be like a second round pick or, you know, maybe both of our third round picks. Uh, that's what I would see as a realistic uh, trade scenario. I don't think one pick is going to get it done um, unless it's, you know, Washington is just fed up with this guy. and They just want to get rid of him, you know, kind of like our Darren Lee situation. You know, he was a former first round. I thought that he, we would be able to get a third to a fourth for him. We end up getting a sixth. So, I guess it's all about how other teams value the guy. Uh, so I would say probably a second round um, and maybe two threes probably get the deal done. And, again, I'm just not comfortable with that. Yeah, I think I think a three would get it done. I mean, I, I, I say that because I'm assuming there's not a – well, we don't know what the market is for him. Again, it, you know, there could be teams who were sort of – you know, the teams we talked about, Tampa Bay, Atlanta – Maybe they were kind of in on, on Trent Williams. But uh, if, if Washington's asking price was high, it's not going to get any lower if it's now rumored that none of the other tackles are going to fall to these teams. So even if Washington was thinking, oh, shit, we've been asking for a two this whole time, maybe we're going to have to take a three, maybe, maybe a, a three and a five, whatever. But now you start hearing that these teams that are interested may not have a chance to draft a tackle. They have no leverage. And if there's multiple, if if Washington can say, look, there's three of you, you all want one guy. He plays, you know, you all need a guy that plays this position, and we're the only one with an with a with an all pro to offer, that could drive the price up. So, but I, I think it was Josina Anderson tweeted earlier, Alex. I don't know if you saw this, because of course it was weeks. Uh, it feels like months could have been longer ago that the Redskins gave Trent Williams permission to seek a trade. Um, they apparently today have rescinded that, and they now want full control of any deal involving Trent Williams. Uh, but it sounds like, from the tweet that I saw, it's moving toward you know, a deal happening before the draft. The Jets, I believe it was Connor Hughes, said the Jets have called, but they are not believed to be a favorite. So, um, yeah, just... Uh, 
just a, a, a weird situation here too. Uh, so I just saw on the Twitter line here that the New York Giants, or rather Leonard Williams of the New York Giants, has signed his franchise tag. So uh, I believe that means that next year we get a our fifth round conditional turns into a fourth round, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, Alex, I thought that, and I don't know why this is, um, but it doesn't. It remain because it's not an extent. Uh, uh, apparently, by the way the contracts are drawn up, a franchise tag is not considered a contract extension because it's not. For whatever reason, it's not. So and I could be wrong, but it was like a reputable source who tweeted that out several weeks ago and said, since the Giants didn't come to an extension with Leo, if he signs a franchise tag, he the Jets will get a fifth instead of a fourth. The fourth would have been if he signed an extension. A franchise tag is falls under a different category, I suppose. So unfortunately, it's a five. Uh, if, if the gotcha. information I saw was correct. Yeah, so... That would have been nice, but I'll tell you what, though, even the little gray area in the uh, contracts, because those are little gems right there that you just threw out there. Yeah, well, having that uh, having that three this year, I thought that earlier today when I was doing doing one of the mocks, I thought, man, it sure is nice to have that one because you feel like you really, uh, you know, that 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 should be, you you hope it's going to be a a starting player. Um, So we'll see. Awesome. Well, you know, this is, you know, good for Leonard. Um, it was a good trade for the Jets, and it definitely gives us, you know, a much-needed p- premium pick for this draft. So, uh, was a little excited, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, an extra fifth-round pick gives us a little more ammo for next season, too. So, that's always a good thing. Yeah, listen, you know, you take every pick you can get. Um I think it's uh, I you know I remember being bummed about that. I really thought that was going to be a a four once they said the Giants were going to tag him, but uh, that is not to be. It's a five, and uh, Joe Douglas pulled that off. And 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 what what were your thoughts? What were your what were your takeaways from Joe Douglas's press conference the other day, Alex? As we know, they don't say a great deal that's meaningful. But uh, did you take anything away from that that stuck with you? Well, he made a couple comments about a particular player that's kind of a big deal on the team, uh, Jamal Adams, which, you know, uh, we've been fooled before. We, we've heard, you know, coaches say one thing and then they go in an opposite direction. Uh, but mm-hmm. what he basically said is he reiterated that his plan has not changed. Um, conversations are really not um, going on as much. Apparently, Joe is locked into this draft, and that's his only main focus at this point. Um, he does not feel the urgency that maybe the fan base does, or maybe even Jamal feels, to get a deal done before the draft. Uh, we've got plenty of time to work this out before September, so I guess you know he's taking his uh, time and being uh, patient. So I was kind of glad to hear that he stuck with his you know original statement on Jamal. Um, who knows how factual or you know it is, but he went on the radio yesterday, and um, he also mentioned that one of the main reasons why he came to this team was to 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 be a part of a player like Jamal Adams. He really seems to like what he brings to the table as far as 
uh, you know, being that rah-rah guy and bringing guys in and bringing the energy and, um, you know, his effort is unmatched, um, you know, on the practice field and on the field on Sundays as well. And he wants to bring in guys that can, you know, at least match Jamal's intensity. So good things he said. Um, obviously, we will all find out tomorrow if he, how much he really, really does value Mr. Adams. Well, I think, you know, the, the interesting thing is that, um, and I'd forgotten about this, Rich Semini pointed out the other day that Adams did say he wants a new contract this offseason. Um, he doesn't want it put mm-hmm. off. The Jets, of course, but, you know, the, the sort of couple interesting things with this. And I know there were people, and you may have felt the same way, Alex. I know a lot of people tweeted me about it because I shot out some tweets when the news broke that he wasn't going to attend the virtual OTAs or whatever it is, voluntary and there was a lot of sort of nothing to see here. Guys do this all the time. Who cares? It's a virtual. It's not even real. Tr- not even real practice. And a lot of. But to me, the number one thing, and I and I said it a couple times. And two or three days later, uh, Rich Semini wrote in ESPN, and he said almost exactly what I w- was saying. And I, I think it was to me what what made it obvious. I mean, first of all, we don't know who leaked it. I would imagine it was Jamal. Of course, his people say he didn't. Of course they're going to say he didn't. People are like, oh, well, well, he said it wasn't him. Oh, okay. You know, like, of course he's going to say that. Um, maybe the Jets leaked it. Whoever leaked it, it doesn't matter. Um, what matters, and it's all that matters, timing, is that you had yeah. all off season to get a deal done. Not, not just to get a deal done, just to talk, which Joe Douglas said they haven't talked yet. Like, I get that the draft is going on, but this is your best player. You know you pissed him off during the season. You said publicly your intent is to keep him here forever. And the season ended how many months ago, and you haven't talked to him. And then, what, six days before the draft, five days before the draft, you leaked the story that he's not going to be participating. Now, from a football standpoint, that is meaningless. Who cares? He's a great player. He watches hours and hours of film. Missing a couple logons on Zoom isn't going to change his season. But it's, there was zero reason for that to be made public knowledge, whether it was made public knowledge by the Jets or whether it was made public knowledge by Jamal. If it was made public knowledge by the Jets, that was the Jets announcing. Draft is coming up in a few days. Call us if you're interested. And if it was Jamal leaking it, it was Jamal saying, Draft is coming up in a few days. I want out of this place. This is the time to make it happen. It's, the, all this stuff is calculated. This stuff doesn't happen by accident. The, to me, there's a reason why, you know, when the trade stuff started last year, that Jamal Adams, I can't even remember who it was. One of, the, one of his buddies, who was a reporter with ESPN, goes on ESPN that night and says, Jamal, when I talked to him, said he was thrilled to be, that, you know, that he was happy to be going to Dallas when it looked like the trade was going to happen. Like, he's not going to say that unless he checks and says, hey, Jamal, like, when I do the show tonight, is it cool if I say you, you'd be happy to go to the – hell yeah, man, say it. Like, put it out there that I'd, I'd love to be a cowboy. He's not going to do that without checking first. You're not going to leak a story a few days before the draft. Like, these things – I mean, there are 365 days in the year. There is – in a situation like this – there is one day that stands out as the most likely day you will get traded if you are going to get traded. And a few days before that day, 
it becomes public knowledge that you're not going to be participating in your team's whatever. So whether it was the Jets or Jamal, I really hope it wasn't Jamal, because that to me is like some deaf ears stuff, like a total lack of awareness. Like here's New York City in the middle of this pandemic. I mean, the world is in the middle of this pandemic. New York City hit harder than anyone else. However many thousands of dead people, I can't even keep track of the number anymore. And you think it's important to share with the media that, you know, for, for the $9 million or whatever you're going to make, you're not going to get around to logging onto your computer for an hour this offseason because you need more money. Like that's some hugely, like, lack of awareness of what's happening in the world. But that's an entirely different discussion. But, Alex, it was the timing because people, people re, you know, replied to me, oh, dude, don't do this. It's, it's a non-story. It happens all the time. How, how many other players did it happen to this week? How many other guys who are all pro players let it leak this week that they won't be participating in their team's activities? I didn't see any others. I saw Dak, but Dak's not mm. on the contract. Jamal is. Dak doesn't have to sign whatever Dallas offers him. So timing is everything with this stuff. I don't think – I'm not saying he will be traded – but either the Jets want to field some offers or Jamal wants to let it be known he would like to leave, um, which, of course, can all be fixed with a great big fat paycheck after the draft. Yes, absolutely. You know, for me, the way that I see it, um, regardless of this COVID situation, um, you know, in, in a normal world, let's say, um, if he decided to skip this uh, voluntary, uh, you know, practices or whatever they're called, OTAs, uh, it would just be, you know, the annual, um, you know, this player doesn't, isn't into to being a Jet. Um, you know, last year, Le'Veon Bell um, was working out in Florida and didn't show up for voluntary stuff. You know, that made a bunch of hoopla on the news. Um, if I remember, the, the last player that did that before him was Brandon Marshall, and it was the same story with him. And, you know, we could just keep going down the line every single year. And, and you know, this happens with every team across the NFL. Um, it's voluntary. Um, that's just how I'm going to look at it. I know that this is different because there's history here with the GM and Jamal dating back to last October. So it's kind of different from the other, you know, examples that I've given. Uh, but I'm just going to go with, you know, it's voluntary, like you said, um, sitting in his living room, um, you know, doing calisthenics. Is, is not going to change the outcome of our season. Um, and you could be very, you know, right with, with what you have uh, thrown out there. It could possibly be um, from Team Adams or it could be from, you know, Team Douglas uh, trying to get the phone lines ringing. So we don't really know at this point. Um, the optics are not great because uh, there seems to be a little bit of a portion of this fan base that does not value Jamal Adams. Um, maybe that's just on my Twitter line where I get trolled all the time being talked about how he's not a premier player and, you know, he doesn't, apparently I was told yesterday he's not good in pass coverage. Um, he's only a box safety and he's supposed to be 30 yards so tired of the scrimmage, making interceptions every single time the defense goes onto the field. Um, you know, damn him to Hades for not having a turnover every single time he's, he's having a defensive series. I mean, well, I mean, he's, you know, he's just, you know, I'm going to go on whether you look at his time now or, his, yeah, I mean, with, with his time in college, I mean, he can cover, but he's not an interception guy. He's just not. I think he had three in college, and now he has two as a pro. One of them against Jared Stidham, 
And I think the other one, if I'm not mistaken, was off of like a deflected bouncing ball that landed in his hands. Like he's not a guy who reads the quarterback's eyes while oh, he's in Detroit, coverage. Right? And, and, and yeah, exactly. It was, I think it bounced off someone else's chest and landed in his hands. So we've never seen him get an interception in what, three years now. He's never had a pick where he like, you know, drops back, reads the quarterback's eyes, jumps a route and picks it off. Um, again, he did it to Jared Stidham, but who the hell cares? That, I think it was his NFL debut. Yeah, so, you know, you picked off a rattled rookie. That's nice and all. But uh, he's not, an, again, he's not an interception guy. I, I forget the numbers, but I think he had three, maybe four in his four years. So he averages about an interception a season. So he's not a, he's not a guy who's going to force turnovers with the picks, but he's still an impact player. Um, you know, even the sack numbers, and I'm somebody who's – people – everyone is so damn sensitive nowadays that, like, you could say a million times over – that this dude is a great player and I hope the Jets re-sign him, which I have said a million times over. But then when you say something, anything negative, it's like, oh, why do you hate this guy so much? And it's like, I'm just evaluating him honestly and, you know, offering my opinion. I think it's dumb, again, if it did come from him, to, to, to leak publicly that you're not going to be in an off-season program while your city has thousands of people dying. Um, I think, I, th- I, I mean, he, he is a sort of, you know, from a personality standpoint, you and I may differ on this. But, but to me, the leadership thing and any, to like any veterans in that locker room that can kind of see through that stuff, that, that's, he, doesn't do, he doesn't do leadership things. Like he's, you know, tweeting out pictures of himself making a play after the team just lost. But he's like, yeah, but look at me. I did this. You know, that's not what I expect in a leader. But I don't care because he's a great player. And I want great players on my favorite football team. So I hope the Jets get him signed to a long-term deal. But if someone blows them out of the water, if someone calls and says, look, if Dallas calls, says, all right, man, we'll give you, we'll give you a one, we'll give you a two, we'll give you a, you know, a, a mid-rounder next year, and a starting lineman. You know, not, not a Pro Bowl lineman, but a, star, a starting whatever, a starting player. I, I have a hard time turning that down. Um, especially if Joe Douglas is the goods, as we say, because then you would assume mm-hmm. that he's going to hit on a couple of the, you know, he's going to hit on that one, he's going to hit on that two or three, and then you're getting a starter. So you, you're adding three starting players and, uh, for a team that needs a lot of starting players. So, you know, my hope is that they, they find a way to keep him. And, uh, you know, I, I said it yesterday, and uh, which, by the way, we haven't plugged, Check out the forums on JetNation.com, most active Jets message board on the Internet. And, uh, and I started a thread on there yesterday, and I just said, look, as far as the Jamal thing goes, it's, it's win-win. The Jets are either going to get an insane you know, package of picks and players for Jamal Adams, which is fine by me, or they're going to keep Jamal Adams, which is fine by me. There's no downside between the final year of his rookie deal plus being able to tack on the fifth-year option – then having the franchise tag, the Jets have control for three more years at least. So they have all the leverage. And if they want to get him signed, then fine, get him signed. But if someone blows you away and you can get multiple picks and Joe Douglas believes, look, this is a deep enough class, I'm going to get myself a game-breaking receiver or I'm going to get myself a, a mauling, badass offensive lineman or I'm going to get myself an edge rusher like uh, Gross Matos or someone like that, someone who can get to the quarterback, then fine, do it. But you're not – just don't give the guy away 
and don't let him walk in free agency like you did with Robbie Anderson, which obviously that's not going to happen. He's in, the, he's in a whole different stratosphere, so there's not really a threat of that. Well, you know, Jets have lots of options here. Um, like you said, Jamal's under contract, and one of the benefits that we have is picking up his fifth-year option. Obviously, he can hold out, um, and things could get super ugly with that. But, you know, the Jets are not cornered, um, you know, in this situation here. They do have a little bit of leverage here. Um, again, the optics on this situation are not good. Um, you know, like I talked about before, there's a little bit of a divide. Um, there's a lot of people here that, you know, seem to say that safeties are not prioritized or premier positions. Uh, I'd like to say that this is turning in or it has turned into a passing league. And the roles of strong safeties um, today and, you know, like five, ten years ago are completely different. They're asked to do a lot more now. Um, there's a lot more versatile tight ends with receiving skills that, you know, smaller corners are not able to keep up with and linebackers are too slow to deal with. And then you also have running backs that are exceptional out of the backfield and, and can, you know, motion out and, and you know, be a slot or, you know, out as a split end and can make plays. So you need versatile defenders like that to keep up with the way that the league is trending. And there are only a few players that come to the top of my head that can do the things that Jamal Adams can do. Um, one of them is Derwin James. And I think the other guy is somebody that's going to be drafted tomorrow night in the top 10, which is Isaiah Simmons. Um, after that, I really don't think there's any other players that are even comparable to him. So when you're talking about a player that's irreplaceable and uncomparable to, um, unless if it's going to be like a Herschel Walker-esque type of trade, you know, uh, 33 has got to stay in green and white for the long term is how, is how I feel and how I, I guess I'm a little bit of a homer here, and that's what I'm hoping for. Um, so that's my stance on, on the Jamal situation here. And where are we at? We're at the under 30-minute mark here for the show. So uh, what topic do you want to hit next, Glenn? Do you want to go into our final mocks of the year? Do we want to do crazy predictions? Where are we going? Uh, let's do uh, – well, let, let's say not so much crazy, but like worst-case worst scenario type thing. Obviously, we know – well, to me, best case is one of the big four tackles falls, and, uh, and, and they find a way to nab an offensive, a starting offensive lineman. Uh, or starting interior lineman uh, in round two or three, uh, preferably round three. But uh, you know, we, we've talked about what we would like to happen. What's your what's your sort of doomsday scenario? What what player? I, I probably left mine a little bit earlier with my comments about never watching this team again if they uh, take a defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. what, what what's your worst case at eleven? Yeah, uh, we've talked about this before. Um, the, my doomsday nightmare, um, and I've seen it quite often in the last couple of days, just as fun, you know, people trolling uh, the Twitter land uh, or Jets Twitter land, um, and that's Derek Brown out of Auburn. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's going to be a dominant run defender in the A gap and the B gap. And, you know, Lord have mercy on every Jets fan's soul if they select Derek Brown at 11. Um Grab your pitchforks and your torches, and I will meet you at One Jets Drive. And now, what what about this one, Alex? Because you know we it's all it's all been about receiver or offensive tackle, offense, 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 offense. What if it's Okuda? What if he falls to eleven? 
Mm. That I actually would be okay with. I, I actually would not feel so bad about that because we haven't had that kind of talent at, at corner uh, since the Darrell Rivas days. I'm saying that this guy is going to be Darrell Rivas, but from everywhere that I hear, the only guy that is close to being as talented as him is C.J. Henderson, and I don't think C.J. Henderson is warranted as a top 11, top 15 pick yet. Um, I could be wrong, but we'll see tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, I think Okuda wouldn't hurt as much as as Derek Brown. Uh, yeah. Because normally there's only, like, one or two corners that are, like, you know, they can really change the aspect of your defense around, and, and Akuda might be one of those guys. And now you mentioned Isaiah Simmons. What about him at 11? How would I mean, for me, again, I don't want defense at 11, but I'm not going to lie to you. The thought of giving Greg Williams, Isaiah Simmons, and Jamal Adams, that's, that's intriguing to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I guess now that, that you're bringing it in there because my opinion is the best player in this draft is Isaiah Simmons. I don't think there's anybody else that is as versatile as he is. Um, you know, he made a tweet today like, you know, I know that you're only allowed to have 53 players on the roster, but if you I draft saw that, me, yeah. it's going to feel like you have 56. And he's right. I mean, yeah, he and knows that's... his worth. He knows what he can do. And he can do a whole lot for your defense. I'd, personally, I'd go with Chase Young as the top player, but I get what you're saying. Um, you know, Sim is probably top three to me, um, if not number two behind Chase Young. And again, it's 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 sort of a sort of I would be begrudgingly happy, I guess would be the best way of putting it, if they got Okuda or Simmons. You know, it, I'd be mad, but at the same time, I would I would understand what they're doing and what it brings. I just can't I just can't see after. <laughs> After all this talk for how many months now? Is it receiver or is it tackles? Is it receiver or is it ta- And then the draft comes and they go defense. <laughs> it's like, when, yeah, yeah. when is this team going to start prioritizing <laughs> offense? Thank God they grabbed Arnold. But they need to start prioritizing offense. That doesn't mean they can't go offense the rest of the way. Um, I mean, they wouldn't do that. It's not going to be right. – especially – and that's the other thing is the eight picks, Alex. You know, I, that, that's the reason why I did the trade down. Not just that I feel like the Jets want, are going to want to move down from 11. Joe Douglas has to be looking at this just going, eight picks is not enough. I need, I need 10, right. at least, right. if, if not 12. You know, can I take that first third rounder and turn that into even a fourth and a fifth? And, you know, and then bump up to nine picks and find some way to, to add. And, you know, sometimes you get a team to throw in a seven. You know, you want you want this third rounder. I need your fourth. I need your fifth, and I need your seventh. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I just I'll, I'll be pretty disappointed if they come out with only eight picks, and I'll be really shocked if they trade up. Um, but again, you know, we talked about Philly last year, and again, you know, you brought up the point, which of course is true. Philly was closer to winning, so you make those moves to move up and get that piece. But um, if you think about it, really that was a trade-up for a guy who wasn't even expected to start um, in his rookie year. So I don't know. I mean, if, if you're Joe Douglas sitting in your, in your living room right now and you're thinking to yourself, that, you know, all this time you've been expecting a tackle to fall to you and now you start getting jittery, you know, maybe some of these rumors. And, and listen, guy, the, these guys, these execs, you know, they have, 
they have info that they get from people that work with teens. That I remember we we did an interview um, with a former scout right after the Jets took Darnold, and he said that he, you know, from from his days as a scout, he had no firsthand information of the Jets. Um, but he said from his years as a scout, there is no way in his mind, and he could have been wrong, but no way in his mind the Jets would have made that deal up to three so early unless they 100% knew the Giants were not taking Darnold. He said it had to be that the Jets knew that Mayfield or Darnold would be there at three because the Giants were taking Barkley. Once the Jets heard the Giants were taking Barkley, they said let's move up to three and get the quarterback. Um, so, you know, sometimes there is that sort of inside info, this behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on, that the, t- the teams have info on this guy, that you know, this team, that team. And Joe Douglas, if he feels like the tackles aren't going to be there, is he going to get spooked and say, damn it, I've spent the last however many months planning on getting a tackle. Now I've got to move up to nine to get one. Um, I, yeah. I, like I said earlier, w- w- would you be all right with that deal, Alex, if it was a pick – Say the Jets call who's at nine? Is it Jacksonville? Who's at nine? Uh nine I, I think is I wanna say Arizona, no? Um or it could be Jacksonville. I know um it is, yeah, Jacksonville's nine. So say you call Jacksonville and say, Look, we'll give you next year's fourth rounder, third rounder to move up two spots and make sure we get a tackle. I actually wouldn't mind that. Because it also gives you time, you know, to maybe make another deal somewhere and add a pick before the draft next year. Um, but even if it means going from eight picks to seven picks, if that means you can, you know, guarantee yourself a left tackle this year, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, it does seem like Jacksonville's dumping a little bit of the premium or the the players that would eat up a lot of cap space. Um, I don't want to say that they're tanking, but. Um, they're heading in a particular direction that, that says that they might be trying to get themselves in the top five, top ten again next year for the draft. Yeah, I think they're uh, – what, what a bizarre situation with Leonard Fournette. I mean, mm. you don't – I don't – you don't go on Twitter and tell your team who to sign when you just traded away your quarterback so that you could commit to the guy you have, and then your running back is like, hey, let's sign this guy instead. Um, yeah. I think it was like literally the next day. Like, Let's get this done already. Yeah, he's that man. Yeah. Okay, what about that, Alex? How about that hypothetical? You're Joe Douglas, because if I'm not mistaken, Jacksonville has a late first rounder as well. I'm gonna take a look. I thought Jacksonville was also picking at 21. Let me see if I'm crazy. No, they're picking at 20. What if what if the uh, what if the Jags call and say we'll give you Ngakwe and twenty in for in exchange for pick eleven? Do you do that? Ngakwe and twenty, pick eleven, and we're probably gonna have to cut two, if not three players to fill up the cap space for that. Um, it is very tempting. Um, I'm, I'm thinking financially now, and I'm not sure if that's feasible. Um, it would definitely help this team uh, beneficially, um, at defensively, rather. Uh, but then you might miss out on, on having a real surefire left tackle for Sam Darnold, and I don't know if that is worth the risk. 
to be honest with you. That might well, be maybe, too maybe, risky maybe you make that deal on draft day. Maybe, maybe Jacksonville proposes that, and you say, okay, well, we'll talk to you on draft day. If we're sitting there at 11 and the tackles are gone, you got a deal. Um, versus making it now and then finding out, oh, damn, we could have had Andrew Thomas at 11. Um, that, you know, that, but, but speaking of the tackles, and, and again, I, I, I'm no scout. I'm no evaluator. I'm a fan like the rest of you listening. I got to say, the guy who I think is getting the most, the most hype that is just that I don't see it, I don't, I've watched and I'm just like I'm missing something because everyone's telling me this guy is a first-round talent. Maybe they're just better at projecting what he will become. But when I watch Austin Jackson, I just th- that's another one of my worst cases. If the Jets trade down and get him, yeah. I just from what I've watched of him, I've seen him get beat pretty bad. And I actually, um, having mentioned uh, Bradley and I uh, last week, I was sitting down. I looked up some Bradley and I uh, highlights. I watched a couple of Utah games, and then I pulled up some of his highlights. And he had a sack, a big sack against USC. Again, great violent hands, smacked the blocker's hands away, came around them like it was nothing. And I thought, let me rewind that because I hope that wasn't Austin Jackson again. Because I feel like every time I've watched mm. him, I see him getting beat. And sure enough, it was yeah. Austin Jackson again. And I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm missing something here. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not Daniel Jeremiah. I'm not any of these guys who do this infinitely better than I can. But every time I've watched the guy, I come away thinking he does some things well. But first round, and I, it must be projecting because yeah. what I didn't realize is how young he is. I think he's 20 or just turned 21, something like that. So they're probably looking at him and saying, for his age, he's well beyond where he should be. And in a year or two, he'll be an elite tackle. That must be the thought process. But I've watched him and thought, geez, don't, don't let that guy be in charge of protecting Darnold this year. Um, so if the Jets would have moved on to 20 and grabbed him, wouldn't be thrilled. And I, I saw, the, what, what do you think, we'll just, we'll just spitball and throw some questions around here. Um, how many tackles do you think go in the first round, Alex? That's a good question because, you know, it was definitely four. Um, the fifth was Josh Jones for, for quite some time. And now within the last week, apparently Austin Jackson has moved himself in between that 15 to 30 range, which is pretty alarming. Um, and then another player that I thought would be available um, early third, mid to late second was Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. Apparently there's some people out there that feel that he's got a first round grade on him too. So that was quite interesting to me that, you know, two weeks ago when you're looking at all these tackles and I was contemplating, you know, I think my previous market took Jerry Judy, I was in the spectrum of we can take the risk and get the wide receiver that we need and then there's still enough quality talent in the second round, left or right tackle, um, and we'll be, we, should, we should still be okay. Um, now it kind of seems that with Isaiah Wilson possibly moving into that first round, as Ezra Cleveland is moving into that first round conversation, and now you have Austin Jackson doing that too, so you're possibly looking at anywhere between five to eight offensive tackles going in the first round, and if it goes to the number eight, uh, then you're talking about 25% of the, the picks in the first round will be tackles. Uh, that would probably be some sort of a record, I would imagine. And then some other people seem to think that if he was healthy in 2019, 
Lucas Niang would be a first-round grade as well, but only because he got injured in 2019, people see him falling to round two. But there might be teams that are willing to take the risk on a player like that because he's an absolute molar, and I think the only thing that you can hold against him is he got a little banged up in 2019, and he played on the right side, not left side. And I think you can live with both those things um, because injuries happen at any point in time, regardless of how healthy their history has been. So, yeah, it could be up to eight. Um, I, I, I think that's far-fetched, to be quite honest with you. Um, I can't foresee nine. Crazier things have happened. But, yeah, I think that there's a possibility between that five to possibly seven range of offensive tackles going. Yeah, I forget who it was the other day. Somebody tweeted out that they uh, that they thought they, they said expect seven tackles to go in the first round. Um, quick note here. Uh, Peter Schrager of NFL Network, who is actually, uh, if you recall, good friends with uh, the Johnson family. He was at, uh, I think Chris Johnson was at his wedding, or he was at Chris Johnson's wedding, something like that. I don't know. Um, this isn't Jets specific, but uh, Peter Schrager does have some inside folks. Um, says, based on what he's hearing, Wills, Wirfs, and Thomas will all go in the top ten, with Becton likely being the fourth guy off the board. But if he's right, that leaves Beckton there at eleven. Um, yeah. So we'll see. And, and you know, we, have we talked about the the Beckton drug thing? I, I, Joe Douglas even said, you know, not a big deal. Which, yeah, it, 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 he had a, he had a diluted sample. If they feel like you know, if they feel like they think it was pot, that it's not even a violation under the CBA starting next year. Players smoke yep. during the off season because they're not tested. So we know what the league really feels about pot. I think it's a non-factor. Mm-hmm. I think people learned their lesson from Laramie Tunzel because he dropped and turned out to be a damn good left tackle, and anyone who passed on him is probably kicking themselves in the ass. So if Schrager is right, he's got, again, he's got Beckton falling, but that doesn't mean, again, that some team like Tampa won't trade up with Cleveland um, or something along those lines. Trent Williams is a big factor if somebody makes a move for him. Um, if somebody other than – I mean, that would be the ideal scenario. Is it a team that wants to stay put where they are, trades for Trent Williams, and they've got their left tackle, and that moves the left tackles down another slot that much closer to the Jets. So we'll see about that. But uh, what, what else we got, Alex? You got uh, – was there something I'm gonna specific? Throw Did we miss anything? I'm your way here. Yeah, we got 11 Go minutes coming up, so let's close this show out with our final mocks. But before we get that, I just wanted to bring this to – to the table here um, currently have a punter and we have a kicker in house, but we're really not committed. And I remember green being doing a mock draft uh, probably, you know, six to eight weeks ago. And he took that kid Blankenship. I think he is one of the best kickers out of college. Um, and I mm-hmm. saw somebody else the other day having a punter with our last pick in the sixth round. And we're very tight with our money at this point. Do the does Joe Douglas draft a punter or a kicker late in the in with one of those six round picks to close the draft? Is it possible? God, I hope not. That to me that again, that's a that's a luxury pick. That's like a, oh we're we're so close to winning that we're just gonna grab this kicker here. Um no. And I don't understand the Lack Edwards thing. I, I don't I don't know what the problem is. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having Lack Edwards as a punter but they clearly have no time for him. 
um, despite the fact, you know, they, they, they brought in a camp leg to compete with him last year, but they didn't bring in a camp leg to compete yeah. with the kicker. And the kicker situation was a disaster, and Lack Edwards was absolutely right. fine. So th- that was that was idiotic. I don't know what the deal was there. They clearly don't like Lack Edwards. That would be my wild card um, situation, that the, the Jets, you know, miraculously take a kicker when we're all expecting them to go, like, you know, running back or, you know, something of that in the fifth or sixth round, and all of a sudden – you know, we, we, we go punter or something, that would probably floor me. I'd laugh. I'd oh, my God. I mean, they, uh, say I'd probably feel like so I'd few picks. That, so few, you can't. Eight, imagine if they, if they start with a defensive tackle and end with a punter. I mean, there's <sighs> there's two of your eight picks. That means you've got six picks that you can uh, – I don't even want to think about that. That's that's another nightmare scenario. Um, don't like that at all. But, uh, but go ahead, Alex. Start us off. We'll do our – the quick sort of – if the Jets don't trade down, if they stay at 11, keep their eight picks, who are they going with? What do you got? Okay. So this is, you know, knocking the table here, putting it home. This is how I want it to happen. This is how I foresee it happening. Um, So here we go. No trades. We stay at 11, eight picks. And here's the final Jet Nation lock for me. Uh, We're going to go out and get a stud in the first round. Jedrick Wills is going to fall into our laps, one of those situations again. Um, So we're going to get Jedrick Wills into the scenario. Um, In our second round, another player that has been talked about late first round, early second, T. Higgins out of Clemson, fills that number one void, big target, good red zone option here for Sam. Um, Our first third round pick, we're going to get Prince Tago Wanago. Um, Now this is somebody that could compete, um, this year, I, I don't see him cracking the starting lineup in September, but I think down the line and definitely in 2021, we'd have Wills and uh, Prince Tega as our two um, bookends on the offensive line. Uh, my second third-round pick, um, this one is uh, we're keeping it in the family with Van Jefferson. Um, I love this kid. I think he would be a second-round pick if he didn't get hurt, but because of his uh, – health situation I think he comes home to Papa with the Jets and with our second third round our fourth pick um, going with Kenny Wilkies again Um, I think that this is just a perfect spot in the fourth round for this kid Um, so you know if he's there he's a freak athlete go get him in our fifth round we're going to get a backup behind Le'Veon Bell and the big bruising back in A.J. Dillon from Boston College and then with our final two six-round picks, I'm going to close it out with a Michael Divinity Jr. from LSU. Um, gives you a little bit of pass roll, um, pass rushing presence, and uh, probably more of an off-ball linebacker. But there's a lot of dog in this guy, and he loves the game, and he plays with tenacity. So I think that would be a great six-round pick. And then going to close it out um, with a future nickel corner. It's been my theme of getting a late-round corner. Jets have had a lot of success doing that. And we're going for Isang Basie out of Wake Forest. Um, Kid was a pass deflection monster for over 50 within like three years. Um, Not a lot of turnovers, but he's just a a, a very sticky corner that I think the Jets might be able to find late in the draft. What do you got, Glenn? All right, Alex. So, um, yeah, I honestly don't know what to do with mine because um, if we're we're saying what we think is going to happen – I'm, I'm like I said, I'm spooked. I think teams are going to trade up and move up, and the Jets are going to be left without a tackle. And I think they're going to be—they may have some difficulty finding a trade partner. 
So if that's the case, uh, as much as I've said I don't want it to be the case, I think they're going to be backed into a corner and they're going to take a receiver. I think it's going to be – I mean, again, it depends on which one is on the board. I would think they would want uh, – I mean, you can't go wrong with any of the three, to be honest. Um, but if Joe Douglas, you know, as he said, he, he wants uh, – you know, speed creates pressure, pressure breaks pipes. He wants fast guys. I would imagine even if some of them fall, Judy or Lamb, one of them will go in the top ten. Um, so I'm going to say Henry Ruggs ends up a Jet at 11. Again, this isn't kind of what I'm hoping. This is what I think the Jets are going to be stuck with, for lack of a better term. Um, so with having gotten him in round one, I think round two, you get a tackle who may be a developmental guy. Um you know what? I'm I'm even going to skip that because I was going to say Ezra Cleveland. I don't think Ezra Cleveland's going to be there at 48. I think he's going to be off the board. I think he's out of the question. So I'm going to go with Robert Hunt. We're going to go on the interior, and then in the third round, stick with Troy Pride, the corner out of Notre Dame because that is still a need. Uh, then with the with the second third round pick, I'm going to go again. I'm I'm going to go with Bradley and Anai, which means I lose Tyler Biadish who I had previously, and I'm also sticking with Brian Edwards in the fourth round. I am no longer getting a backup quarterback, so my fifth rounder is going to be the guy you had in your initial, uh, Tyler Johnson. I'm going to take him there, and then with my two sixth rounders, I'm going to take, um, I'm going to stick with Joe Reed out of Virginia, and then my final, uh, the last pick is going to be I'm I'm sticking with with the edge, and I'm I'm sticking with Alton Robinson. So a lot of the same names, but I'm going to lose Beatish. I'm going to add Johnson, and uh, I'm going to swap out Josh Jones for Henry Ruggs, and I'm going to take uh, Robert Hunt on the interior offensive line in round two. And the Jets are going to have a I was going to say they're going to have a conundrum at left tackle, but I think Joe Douglas then goes out and signs Jason Peters or Kelvin Beecham. Neither one is a great fit for Adam Gase's offense, but it's still a proven left tackle over um, a sort of a, a project rookie or George Fant, who I don't believe they brought in here to play left tackle. Yeah, you know, I, I really like uh, that, that second-round pick, Robert Hunt. Apparently a lot of people are high on this kid. Um, and, you know, the way that Joe Douglas has put together this offensive line, um, you know, there could be a lot of turnover next year um, with, with, you know, the way that things can unfold for 2021. So, you know, get your young, uh, talented guys in the tomorrow, starting tomorrow for the future. And uh, that, that could be a very, very solid pick for, for Sam Darnold and uh, keeping him upright for, for years to come. Yeah, and I, just one side note, I think one – Again, and this is part of the reason I targeted Denver. I think the Jets do have a chance. If the rumors are true, it's been rumored for weeks now that Denver is very interested in Henry Ruggs. And I think that's why the Jets mm-hmm. have kind of let it leak that they like him a lot. I think that become, that could become the Jets' best chance at a trade if Denver says, oh, man, if we, get, you know, if, if we, don't, take, if we don't move up, the Jets might grab Ruggs. We really like him. So having said the Jets could lose out, on potential trade partners for a left tackle, Denver, I think, could be the last team standing. Um, there has been talk of, about Vegas um, moving up a spot. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I don't know how feasible that mm. is. But who knows, man. I'm just, I'm just glad the damn thing is here tomorrow. 
And the next time we do a show, we'll be able to talk about actual Jets football players who are who have been chosen and stop. And you know what's going to happen, Alex? They're not going to take any of the guys we talked about. None of them. None of them. They're going to take yeah, like three dudes one right. out of colleges we've never heard of. They play positions we've never heard of. And we're going to have to scramble and be like, who the hell is this guy? I'm not going to, that happens to me every now, a few years ago, Trenton Cannon. I was like, who the hell is Trenton Cannon? You know, I don't have the time to, to, to study three to 400 guys. You know, I can, I can get a good idea right. about maybe, you know, 100 plus. Uh, you start getting into the, you know, the 383rd guy on the list, and uh, this is not a full-time gig for me. You can People pretend they do. People pretend like, oh, yeah, I was watching that guy a few months ago. Come on, get the hell out of here with that. Yeah, but, uh, I think that's uh, it. Alex, you want to sign us here. off? You, you, got, you got the clock tonight, so I don't know where we're at. So you can sign us off. Okay. We're, we're at the one-minute mark. Um, good time to plug our uh, oh, mile sponsor, social. Mile Social. Yes, go yes. ahead, Glenn. You're, you're the, the master at that. Yeah, uh, Mile Social. Listen, if you're running a business and you're wearing too many hats, you're too busy, you need a company to come in and help you run all your social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, uh, the other ones, Instagram, whatever it may be, Mile Social will manage all of your platforms and help you get more customers through the door, more money in your pocket. Alex. Impressive. 20 seconds left to go. Please don't take Derek Brown, Jet, uh, Joe Douglas. We love you. Please don't do that. Don't do it to us. Um, Glenn, I'm sure we'll be in communication tomorrow. Um, you know, try to get your sleep tonight and tomorrow during the day so you're rested for the, for the craziness that might go down. Yeah, the 1 a.m. draft kickoff in England. Take care. All right. Take care, Jets fans. Draft day.